Welcome to the ABCs to live your dope life. This is an opportunity to be a fly on the wall while I engage with some of the most fascinating, inspiring, and brilliant people I know who have played a direct or indirect role in my own healing and continued growth process. The change process is not easy, comfortable, or nearly as fast as so many of us wish it would be. And my hope with this podcast is to instill some playfulness, simple tools to practice, and ultimately, a place for you to recognize that you are not alone. A dope life is one that is aligned with who you truly desire to be, and a congruency between what is deep beneath the surface and what shows above the surface. It's the real, the raw, the complexities of our light and our shadows. The only thing that is ever truly in your way is you. Join me on this journey as we continue to grow stronger together. It's time to live your dope life. Welcome back, everyone. I am honored to be sitting across from Megan Luther today. I'm so grateful to be here. So sweet of me to ask you to be here. So sweet of you to ask me to be here. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. Yeah. um, So before we dive into theme, um, the question I want to ask you is what is in or on your heart in this moment? I love that you just get right, mm, right, right to, to the, the heart. point. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me just ground for a second and feel what is most authentic in this moment. I think for me right now uh, in my heart is integration. I'm just coming back from... 10 days of really deep inner work where a lot of my own personal um, experience, my own um, challenges, and just really got pretty um, vulnerable and honest with myself about what is holding myself back. Mm. And I got really real with uh, my mental programmings and belief structures and my habit patterns and how that creates my behavior. And so I, I'm just coming back from this really beautiful, uh, raw time and then back into, um, life and reality and how I am now and how that integrates, um, with the people that I'm interacting with and my family. And yeah, it's like a, new fresh perspective and new way of being and then how does that translate to my life and how can I bring the the lessons and that depth into um, my reality my real life mm-hmm. and stay in it yeah um, you know but they make it so easy for you while you're there yeah. <laughs> right taking away all the distractions and you have the time and the space to really be there, but I want to yeah, solidify that commitment that I made to make those um, make those shifts in real time, mm-hmm. in the daily waking state of it all and the challenges and how can I still find and hold that centered space. Yeah, beautiful. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so navigating that. Right? It, so <laughs> yeah. you were at a Vipassana retreat. Right. right? Yeah. So 10 days. You just got back on Sunday and it's Wednesday today. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming out of um, super raw, <laughs> mm. really deep work, inner work, and into back into the swing of old things. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> right. And meeting life and how it its initiations and all of the things that um, it's like once we come out and we and we have these inner realizations and we have these aha moments and feel so much life change in an instant and then it's like life comes back and yeah. it's like okay here's an initiation how do right. you yeah. still feel yeah weaving these beautiful insights back into your everyday yeah. life yeah, and yeah. it's that choice, right? How do you yeah. want to choose to show up and continue well, the work? And it reminds me of the the common question and, and my own inquiry around even just, you know, let alone a 10-day retreat, but just even a five-minute meditation and how yeah. I had a, my first, ex, not first experience, but within the first few months of meditating um, consistently, my husband pointed out um I <laughs> can't remember his exact words, but it was something along the lines of like, you don't seem to be changing. Like you're doing all this meditation, all this work, but you just get up and you just do what you were doing before. Yeah. I, you know, I'm consistently, he's such a great mirror for me. He, sometimes he says it in a very loving way and other times it's like, oh, ouch. <laughs> like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, well, we can dive into that later. But he, um, he was right. There was, there's totally this, this process of, of who you are in your meditation. How do we stand up? And get back into life and actually continue with these threads. Yeah, take it with us. us, Yeah, yeah, instead of just being like, this is who I am in meditation. And then when I'm back into life, I'm just this reactive, impulsive person that I always was. So that's that's really the the deep work is bringing these lessons into life when you're surrounded by stimulus and environments that, you know, we're tethered to as the old self. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's like, how do you make the theories um applied to to real life and it and sometimes we need the seclusion and the time and space away from our real life to actually witness Mm. the patterns at play yeah and have the time and space to see um if we're willing to really go there and go deep like that yeah um yeah, because sometimes it's not you. It's not accessible, right? Because mm. we're just in survival mode, and we're right. just trying to um, tick all the boxes and get all the things done, and yeah. enough sleep and this and that, right? Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, a big one for me that I've been focusing on is the difference between the survival mechanism versus our ability to thrive, mm-hmm. and how life itself can actually be healing instead yeah. of this idea that you know we're born and then we're just marching towards death Yeah. when actually what if we're born and then we thrive and we evolve and become so much more and something bigger than what we were before. And our definition of thriving, right, is like when we're actually swimming in what is challenging and we overcome that, how is that not, you know, sometimes it's shifting our perspective Mm. um, to that's um, absolutely thriving. Like, rehashing our past experiences or going into our past karmas, resolving um, those innermost um, demons, you know, how, and that doesn't look um, 
thriving. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Terribly uncomfortable. And, yeah. It yeah, can look messy. really uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's a really good point that thriving yeah. does not mean like everything's yeah. just good and <laughs> there's yeah, no struggle. And, and, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Life is difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it can it be. Can be. Right? Yeah. It mm. can be. And the messy is also so beautiful because yeah. of that depth that when we go there can only expand our capacity to experience the lightness, right? So all of it is not, um, yeah, we're not having a preference over it. Mm -hmm. So that's been, um, and even the choice point to go to Vipassana there. um, This was your first one? Yeah, Yeah, something that had been on my list for Mm -hmm. a long time, Mm -hmm. um, but had been avoiding just because of all the restrictions and... I hadn't, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I hadn't um, even dipped my toe in. Like, haven't been to a silent retreat, mm. uh, even a one day. Okay. <laughs> so then to go to ten days, but, um, but yeah, my natural tendency when I feel this like stirring inside, when I know that there's some deep work, is to exit and find some extravagant. Um, yeah, just uh, retreat somewhere like I would go to Thailand or I would go to Cambodia or, mm. you know, Europe, somewhere that, um, yeah, would tick a box for me that I would escape, mm-hmm. um, that I needed to leave. And I would bring all my books with me that this was going to be the time that I was really going to find myself or find what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I had a real pattern of wanting to leave. Yeah. And so I knew I needed time and space away yeah. um, to really be with it. But um, but it felt really important that I was in like rural Alberta. Yeah, I didn't go very far. I didn't go far. I didn't have to, Mm. you know, go to some glamorous, like amazing, beautiful. And that's all beautiful and necessary. And it's all um, important, not at all dismissing Mm -hmm. those experiences, because those were absolutely incredible as well. Mm -hmm. But for me, at this point right now, it felt so important to stay close to home and to do this, yeah, on my own and... Um, yeah, and to just go, uh, yeah, really deep, but close and stay in it and to find the beauty in what feels, uh, like I was even thinking I should have gone to merit, you know, at least merit the, the outdoor, yeah, the outdoor (laughs) spaces, the, the two times you're allowed to go outside, it would have been like so much nicer. Mm. But then I started actually really witnessing, um, and this is a a huge message for myself in my daily life is find that beauty in your mundane, in the details, right? Um, and so I started just getting up earlier and watching the sunset and the sunrise, outside in the prairies is incredible mm-hmm. and I was like wow Youngstown okay <laughs> got it going you, got, you got the sunrise and the sunset so I'll give you that yeah. <laughs> so yeah that was a huge mm-hmm. lesson for myself just to stay close this mm-hmm. time and mm-hmm. to uh to find some really beautiful moments in what I thought was yeah um yeah more mundane yeah no, that's really neat yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like 
recognizing there's beauty in your own backyard. Yeah, and you just have to find it and yeah. open yeah. to to see it that it's not that you have to escape yeah. to find it somewhere else. Like that's the practice for me right now. Is yeah. where can I deepen into what already is beautiful mm. and not? Yeah. Oh yeah, I feel that for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's so easy to get stuck in thinking we need to keep expanding and yeah. reaching further. Yeah. Instead of just being in the depth and creating more with where you already are. Yeah. Yeah. And and the other piece that comes up for me is um, there's a quote by Niels Bohr. Mm. And a, a friend of mine posted this in a little group chat we have going. And it's um, the opposite of a true statement is a false statement. But the opposite of a profound truth may well be another profound truth. Hmm. And, and the reason why that popped into my mind just now is, is the way that you described, like, yeah, going off on adventures and going to these other beautiful tropical places. Yeah, that's amazing. It re- yeah. And, <laughs> and it's also amazing just to walk out into your backyard and recognize that there's beauty and there's depth right there. Yeah. So it's not putting one on a pedestal as if one's better than the other. Mm-hmm. They're both important and they're both yeah. great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just recognizing where you're at and being really truthful and honest of what the lesson is for you in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, this, I was recognizing the pattern of wanting to um, run away. Yeah. And, you know, when you run away and you escape it all, you can be whoever you want to be. Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, mm-hmm. something just felt so important for me to get so honest yeah. and truthful with myself about those parts that I was wanting to avoid. So yeah, it just felt mm. like I got a, it was a metaphor, stay close to home and then totally. go, yeah. go even in. closer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I want to hear so much more about your experience. Um, so before we dive deeper into that, our, our theme for today is the four Claire's. Um, and as you mentioned already, when we first sat down is there's actually way more than four. So I'm already learning. Uh, <laughs> so we're going to dive into that. But um, even before we go into the four Claire's that I have want to start with, um, I want to speak to how we know each other. Mm-hmm. So we met, I think it was two years ago at the School of Sankalpa Yoga Nidra training. Yeah. And, and then when I um, stepped back in a few months ago to the further training, the mentorship, mm-hmm. you had become part of the School of Sankalpa team. Uh, and so I got to not only witness you uh, initially as, as a student, but then also as a teacher and a mentor uh, and a, a very intuitive support that I I've loved our interactions and the little love notes that you you write to these. So I've been to love bombs, love bombs. Seriously, yeah. The, Megan writes these really intuitive messages to each person that comes to these events, and it's such a gift to sit down and and receive these from you. And there's so much depth in everything that you write that I like. The first one you wrote to me, I have it pinned in my um, day timer, so I see it every day. And the other one that you wrote at the uh, Modern Day Sabbath that um, you and Tannis hosted, uh, I have that pinned up on a board um, in my little corner at home. Um, mm-hmm. So I see that every day as well. Those constant reminders. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm really intrigued by you and um, inspired by you for many reasons. And 
um, yeah, I just want to hear more about who you are and how your mind works and, <laughs> you know, what's going on. You want to get right in there. Yeah, <laughs> I want to know it all. Yeah. Um, so of the four Claire's that I have, so Claire Sentience, which is really about feeling, Claire Audience, um, about listening, hearing, Clairvoyance, uh, is visuals or seeing, um, and claircognizance is that inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And of course, we could go into depth. That's such a brief overview. Um, and you are a clairvoyant. Is there what are the one of those kind of stand out to you? Or do you even use these terms to describe I, the way you work? I think I did initially okay. uh, when I first started when I was trying to navigate and understand what was happening. Um, mm-hmm. To me, I was just looking for information and this makes it really clear but really what I've learned is like we are all so intuitive Mm -hmm. and really there's um like consciousness just takes the path the path of least resistance and so if you're a naturally more emotional person Mm -hmm. um it's gonna flow more fluently through your emotional body, right? Right. If you're a little bit more mental and um, thought, mm. you're you're more in the your higher mind. Then it's going to come in different ways, right? Or some people are really kinesthetic, and they'll feel it yeah. in their bodies, right. or they can hold something and uh, receive information that way. Mm-hmm. But. For me, when I was first starting out, I, I really connected to the emotional, the, the more empathetic, intuitive. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't necessarily see things, uh, but I could feel. And I didn't know uh, why I knew things, but I just knew them. And I knew them to be so true. Like in the depths of my being, I could just know and I don't know why I know. Mm. So I, I just started really focusing on that one that i that path of least resistance and what what came easy and then really started to hone in navigate how to work with that you know and discern um what's mine and what's not yeah yeah um that's what i'm really curious about because i i definitely i'm getting more and more intuitive um six years or more ago when someone had asked me like well what does your gut say or Hmm. trust your intuition I would I would have a reaction like well fuck you because (laughs) like (laughs) I could convince myself of any thought and I have so many different feelings I was really unwell like the mental health issue for me made it so I was really disconnected from intuition which I think Hmm. for a lot of people is the case there's so much noise in their mind that it's hard to know clouds any yeah yeah right intuition is so subtle Mm. At least um, it can be. I'm, I'm sure there's so many different ways to be intuitive, yeah. right? And, and the more you harness it and strengthen it, as, as you're speaking to, I think, yeah, it expands or maybe it's louder or more clear. Yeah. Um, but it took me a long time to even just create <clears throat> space, space in my body, space in my mind to actually start to discern the difference between an impulsive thought um, versus something that was more like it's intuition. Deeper, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think we do that so intentionally because we don't always want to change, right? So when we say that it's subtle, that mm. intuition is subtle, it's usually not. We're just not willing mm. <laughs> to look or to see. Um, 
or to, yeah, to listen because deep down there's something that's resisting change yeah. and that we're not necessarily ready um, to see. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes it's like, um, yeah, higher consciousness is screaming at us to change our ways and yeah. we are so stuck in them. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, from my personal experience, there's definitely... Um, it was easier for me to just focus on what was happening at the time. And for me, it was really more the emotional body and the feeling sense. Mm -hmm. And I would just know, um, yeah, no thing. And then I started working on, uh, clearing and, um, and working just on my own uh, energy centers. Mm -hmm. And as you start to, um, awaken and um, attune your chakra system and you start to clear your field and you start to understand more energetically how things work mm-hmm. um, you become like a much more clear container and you're tuning in to the different frequencies at the different levels and then mm-hmm. that starts to expand your opportunity ability to see in different ways or to hear or to to feel like now I wouldn't say I'm one or the other. It's information comes usually very specifically to that person. And mm-hmm. so if they're really mental in their, um, in their mind space, mm-hmm. examples are going to come that are going to resonate with them and they're not. Mm. And so that's usually like when I say in group space that I don't, it's not usually an example that I know, or um, sometimes the words aren't typically words that I use, mm. but it's because it's not, uh, yeah, it's not my way, it's yours. Right. And so yeah. it, it's a higher consciousness, like my higher consciousness connecting with yours in a way that if you trust me, um, then you will receive it in a way that's going to be that path of least resistance mm. for you. How do you discern between projecting Mm -hmm. versus receiving something that is really about that person. Yeah. So this was, um, this took me a long time to really get clear. Mm -hmm. Um, And so for a long time, I wouldn't share the information or the insights that I would get. Mm -hmm. I held a really, um, really strong boundaries around my integrity with what I share um, because I wasn't, a hundred percent sure. And I wasn't, um, and sometimes information would come and it would rattle me and I was in a charged state. Mm. And so I would never want to share that. Um, because someone's not going to receive that. Yeah. Yeah. But then also that just means there's something that's unclear in me. There's something that's not, um, centered. Mm -hmm. And so then that felt irresponsible. You know, there's not, um, that's not the place to share from. So, so when I say it took me a really long time to get clear in my energetic boundaries and it got, um, it took me a while to, um, really discern the information that was coming was for this person. And I started to realize too, my own limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. and my own stuff started to come up as I, um, started to expand and more information would come, the limiting programs were also getting louder as well. Right. Yeah. And you're pushing up against your own boundaries and expanding out outside of the prison of the limiting beliefs. Yeah. 
Yeah. I don't want to be seen in this. I don't want to be seen as this person. You know, I, yeah. Um, and especially if you can't totally articulate and, um, and some people don't, yeah, believe. So I, I, it was a, a lot of it was a resistance that I started with, mm-hmm. um, and a resistance that I didn't want to be seen in this way, um, or with this, uh, information. Yeah. Okay. And then the other um, was I have a people pleaser. I want everyone to like me. And, you know, I want everyone to have a pleasant experience. I want you to feel good when you leave. Right. And so um, naturally how consciousness works is I receive your shadow Mm -hmm. (laughs) the parts of yourself that you don't want to see so isn't that funny (laughs) so so the information that comes is uh yeah usually triggering for a lot of people and so breaking through my own barriers and boundaries around uh, needing to um make sure people are okay and um yeah, and my own resistance to to saying something that you might never, yeah, you might be so offended or you might take it the wrong way and then it's really personal on me. And, yeah. Have yeah. you experienced that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and so I, uh, <laughs> yeah, it happens actually quite often. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Great, lots of practice. Where it's just, I, it's an inf- um, a message will come so clearly and I, have such resistance. I'm like, I don't want to share that with that person. (laughs) They're not really ready to receive that. Um, I can just feel it because I am really empathic. So it's like Mm. discerning, like the message coming through and then your mind gets involved. And then because I, I, I can intuit how, you know, someone might react. Mm -hmm. I just know it's going to ruffle feathers. And so it's a choice point to, to share it. Um, and I started using little things like, okay, if it's really important, um, tell me three times <laughs> or show me three ways yeah. or come back, you know? Yeah. Okay. If I was in a really, like, there's been a couple of times where I, I just knew I was going to uh, push against a boundary that um, was uh, really like a either like a religious, mm. um, something that's really deeply right. like ingrained yeah. that isn't just uh, oh, that might hurt. Um, or, like or this is rattling their entire foundation. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, again, because I always want to come back to that in place of integrity and responsibility. And is this information really necessary to share? Is this information mine to share? Yeah. Does this person want to receive it? Right. Yeah. So, so I would start to work with um, yeah, different ways that the information would come. But then I really got to the point where it's actually just a choice. And you, Marin, by coming to the a training, mm-hmm. you know, you're signing up for, um, you know, something you want to change. Yeah. And, and sometimes it is our blind spots or those points or shadow points that we just need to be um, walked through really gently. Yeah. Um, but that's, what's really going to change your life. Yeah. Right. So it's like the information, if I don't share it, it's not a service. Right. So if I stay stuck in my own mm-hmm. limitation and pattern and not wanting to make Marin have a bad day, yeah. um, 
then Marin's not going to change. Right. And yeah. Marin wants to change. Yeah. You know? So totally. that just yeah. takes me back to the feedback you gave me at that, <laughs> <laughs> at that mentorship. Um, oh, my God. It was hilarious and so on point. Um, so in this training, we were asked to come in with five scripts. And it was a small, intimate group. We were meeting up for four consecutive days. And as teachers, we were each having the opportunity to to share, to teach, and then receive feedback from this wise group of, of people. And um, I was asked to do it first, to lead first. And I remember um, we had just had a conversation, actually, about teachers falling from grace mm-hmm. and what that looks like. And, and I brought up the conversation around um, Bikram and uh, how that was my gateway into yoga. And um, so I, it really served a purpose, and then I expanded outside of it. And, you know, we just had this really beautiful conversation. And, um, <laughs> and then when, when I was asked to, to teach, I decided to pull out the big guns and, and do my, uh, my essence script. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I got into it, it was just, like, so much, so much, um, so much content, so much of like, look how much I know, everyone, and <laughs> <laughs> and like five scripts packed into one, and and I remember, even while delivering it, I could feel like this is a lot, and then when we came out of it, and what you said to me was, <laughs> I feel like you just put us through a Bikram Yoga Nidra, and I was like, oh my god, it was so on point. I was like, yeah, that's exactly what I did. It was forceful. It was so much direction. It was, I want you to feel this way, and this is how you feel it. This is how you heal. This is how you heal. This yeah. is, and you're going to heal now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With this breath, and then yeah. this breath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Man, that's it. It was so on point, the way that you delivered it, and the timing, and all of the feedback I received. I, I think back to that training often. There was There's so much in that, and to be able to just receive it, and know that it's coming from people that see me and that want me to be successful and to do well in life and to be well. Yeah. And so it was easy for me. Well, easy and not. Like it's still, you know, tough feedback is still tough feedback. So there was that little like wrench in the heart. Yeah. But at the same time, I was so open and so ready and wanting to be seen and to be given really clear feedback on how I can grow as a teacher. Mm-hmm. So it was invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's the thing is we're all so blind to ourselves, totally. right? Sometimes. Yeah. And we, and I can just completely see your heart and you wanting to share all that you know. And it's incredible what you know, right? Yeah. So then it's um, just, how, yeah, how do you redirect that so that it actually resonates with yeah. people and they, and that you open. And it just all, it's so funny because we just, um, we it's it, it just shows us our own patterns of how we want to heal right yeah. and so then it's like okay how can you soften that within yourself and come into your come back into your own healing and then that's going to just naturally translate and um yeah it's going to mm-hmm. be a transmission through your own you know so it's it's more or less yeah how we all come back but then there's no judgment right, right. because we're I think right after that, I was like, oh, gosh, you, you need to come right, <laughs> sit close, because mm-hmm. I so see myself in you, right? Yeah, right. So yeah. it's just met, I think that's what one of the other um, women in that group had told me that 
the feedback. She's a psychiatrist of however many, I think like 30 years or something like that. Mm. So I felt quite intimidated giving this woman, you know, she and how many trainings and yeah. um, things she had been in just the yoga world right. and the spiritual world mm. on top of her psychiatry and yeah. so You're I was like, like oh my who god am I to give her feedback yeah <laughs> <laughs> totally yeah. totally but then it's so funny because she said like this information is like invisible dynamite is how she described it and it has the opportunity to completely shatter all that is holding you hostage mm. within yourself mm. Oh, I like right? that. And yeah. so, but it's the house and the construct that we've built to keep ourselves so safe and comfortable. And it's how we've survived in our lives and how mm. we keep things going and keep things in a state where we don't feel constant chaos. Yeah. Right. But the divine works in constant chaos mm. or it creates chaos when we're in our own way. Yeah. Right. So it's like whether we take the initiative to change ourselves or eventually the divine just takes over and creates mm. havoc yeah. <laughs> to get in yeah. right because then it can completely dissolve and shatter mm. what we know yeah but there's just wait it doesn't have to get there you know yeah. it oh. can if we really are in our own self-reflection and contemplation it doesn't have to be so drastic it feels like it has to be when we're in such resistance or we're in avoidance. Yeah. Yeah. But then we have such gifts to share. So it's just having, it's wanting to be expressed and to, to share, right? Yeah. So, you know, what's coming up for me is um, around the divine, you know, the difference between the feminine and the masculine and mm -hmm. divine being a little bit more of the feminine side. Um, and one of the qualities of, of the divine or the feminine is contraction. And so even just the way that you were talking about that of like when we're resisting, it you can be chaotic and painful. And what came up for me was like whether you're having like giving birth, having a contraction or even just like period mm -hmm. cramps, like when there's resistance, you don't want them to be there. It is awful. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's it's not like they go away by surrendering to them, but. They, it changes everything yeah. by softening around it and allowing the potentially destructive power of this contraction to actually just start to flow. Mm -hmm. And then it it's the pain goes away. It's it's not something that, and at least in my experience, it's not it's no longer this relationship to pain and something I need to get through. Mm -hmm. It just becomes an experience that I'm in, and it doesn't. It's not labeled as pain anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. So there's, again, that dualistic or non-dualistic nature of this contraction, this mm -hmm. potential destruction. And it's really our relationship with it that is going to dictate mm -hmm. how destructive it actually is. Mm -hmm. Are we resisting it or are we surrendering to what is? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And, and even um, with how we um, feel so limited, like, oh, I would do this, but I have this, this, and this, right? right? Yeah. All the excuses that we make for ourselves or the the box that we put ourselves in. And so when the box just blows up, right. you know, it's really, yeah. it's like, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty neat to mm -hmm. see and be able to start um, fresh without the confines that we put yeah. or, or the restrictions that we put 
on ourselves. So yeah, it's always, I always, I think back to those lowest moments when you're in the, when I've personally just been in um, rock bottom or whatever mm -hmm. you call it, right? Mm -hmm. You're yeah. just, what, how did I get here? Just so imprisoned. Yeah. 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 But then it's actually the spaces also where I had the most um, opportunity mm. because it's, I hadn't put, yeah, my box was shattered. So I don't have the um, right. restriction. Yeah. And yeah. so it's like, okay, it's scary. Yeah. But it's also incredible that, mm. um, yeah, that opportunity can come in and there's space now. Yeah. Yeah. As I, I wrote about this in my book of how a breakdown is a terrible opportunity to waste. Yeah. Right. Every breakthrough is. Yeah, yeah exactly. Of, so yeah. I've, I can totally relate that every time I've felt those rock bottom dragon moments of, you know, even just being in that despair and, and then to be able to open up and recognize, well, now I can rebuild mm -hmm. because everything's been shattered. Yeah, from scratch. Yeah, so I, I get can to create, rebuild from scratch. Yeah, yeah blank slate. Yeah. Like this is, yeah. Which is beautiful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm, um, I'm curious, actually, I want to dive into more of your understanding or work with the Claire's and, and sure. how you expand them outside of these four. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to incorporate pratyahara practice as well even just for my my own inquiry if this is something that you're comfortable sure, chatting yeah. about of um because really pratyahara is a it's a practice in yoga where we are expanding um well this is my understanding of it we illuminate our external senses first of all to illuminate to them to see them so that we can honor them mm -hmm. put them aside and mm -hmm. kind of shift the lens from external to internal so rather than looking around, we now go into inner seeing. Yeah, you walk yourself um, away from the external distractions of your senses. And so you come into pratyaharas, right. like leaving the outside world yeah. behind. And so you have to tune into um, all of your senses and you witness them and then you let them go right and yeah. then you slowly move your awareness from the farthest most distant sound you can perceive and then you start to come closer um you know to can you feel the temperature of the breath on your inhale through your nostrils difference you know the cool air coming in and the mm. warmer air as it exhales, right? Yeah. So then you're you're coming into your body right. through the gateway of your senses. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that you're you're starting to slowly turn the lens from being externalized, so always conscious and aware of what's happening outside of ourselves. Right. Which is the the safety mechanism. Well, and and it's how we we have to be in our right. totally. in our lives, yeah. right? We have to. Yeah. Be aware yeah. of what's happening. But then in the times that we devote and create the space for ourselves to actually, okay, that's how I spend most of my day. But now I'm going to turn the lens, mm -hmm. you know, from the outside world and I'm going to start to go inward mm -hmm. and quiet the mind and start to see what's actually there. That when there's no distraction, mm -hmm. there's no... Um, yeah, that the body becomes a platform mm -hmm. to it, it. The inner world gets loud right. because the outer world is quiet. Yeah, 
and there's nothing to avoid. Like you said, you're not distracted. You're not running away. You're not numbing, avoiding anything. It's just really getting to know what's going on. And as soon as your mind gets quiet and you give yourself the space, it gets loud pretty quick. Right? The intelligence of the body, the information that's there, the wisdom, it just comes right forward. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Well, how how do you describe the Claire's? I would love to hear your... Well, um, yeah, so I don't, um, I, I don't use them all, um, like distinguish them. I, um, yeah, they're very related, right? Yeah, well, they are, and they're all just based on your senses, yeah. right? So like, um, and it just means clear. So like clear, clairvoyant is clear seeing. So you see, uh, what is not necessarily, um, seen to the the average or you're not seeing um you're seeing what's unseen yeah right um and then there's um clear audience clear hearing so you're hearing sounds from spirit Mm -hmm. um words that are just inaudible to most people Mm -hmm. right and then there's actually like one that um it's funny is clear scent and so you um smell things that aren't obvious so this smell isn't there so some for some intuitives they can smell like baked cookies and they know that um oh like they'll get a visual of like someone's grandma you know Mm. or like something that's tied to the insight that's coming through but it's through their scent yeah yeah cool um clear empathy is clear emotion um, so feeling the emotions and attitudes of another within your own self. Mm. And so that one is a little tricky because you take on almost, yeah, right? Yeah. You're feeling, you're feeling. And so if you're not... Um, it's touching your own stuff as well, right? And, you can only feel it because you know it. Yeah. And yeah. so that's where it becomes so important to discern what's yours, what's... Yeah, and yeah. then learning those techniques of really clearing your space, right. your energy, your yeah, field. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... Um, yeah, you can feel their emotions. You can feel their thoughts. Um, yeah. Um, Claire Gustance is oh, what's that? experiencing taste. Okay. Yeah. Um, so anything that's from the spiritual realm that's, um, yeah, inside, inside your mouth. So sometimes your taste can change. Yeah, interesting. And then Claire Sentience, um, you touched on, is the the feeling that comes out of the blue, like that gut feeling, that knowing. Um, And that's what we all have. So when people say they're not intuitive or people say that they're not connected or they don't have, they do, I would just challenge, um, you know, that person to check in with, okay, um, is there there information, this gut feeling that I keep avoiding mm-hmm. you know what's why am I avoiding that what's yeah. the underlying am I just avoiding because I don't want to look there right yeah yeah what am I unwilling to feel yeah yeah and see for myself yeah, yeah. Mm. um yeah t- uh clear ten- tangency or tangency um it's also like psychometry it's but it's basically touch so like what you f- you feel something so if you were to it's clear touch is really what it means. Mm. Um, but these are like people that can take like an object. So if you gave me like an artifact, okay. um, I could tune in to mm. that 
um, item, whatever yeah. it is, and feel the history behind it. You could feel the owners, wow. like things like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then claircognizance is just an inner knowing of right. truth. Yeah. So yeah. So there's like the the clears, but then really like what I started to notice is it's not like it doesn't have to be one of those access ways. It's more like emotional or is it like, are you an emotional intuitive? Do you feel most things? Mm -hmm. And then you, if you tune into your emotions, then you can start to see, you could hear, you could know to be true. Mm -hmm. Right. So those clairs are kind of in whether you're an emotional intuitive right? Yeah. or whether you're a mental intuitive, whether you're really, um, in your your head and information can come that way yeah. or more physical yeah kinesthetic yeah, yeah you're a physical intuitive yeah. and you can actually feel um like if there's pain in your knee i could feel that mm-hmm. right so you're yeah. getting information from other people yeah. um but through feeling yeah. but then that feeling could also spark a vision or a knowing or an in- insight right. that yeah. comes through right so then again and then there's a um, spiritual intuitive as, as well. Mm. So you're just, and that's where you're more or less connecting with um, people that have passed away or right, um, right. unseen forces, yeah. angels, all yeah. of that. Yeah. And that also, all of those develop as well. But really what's important is you find which one you really are. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, and then you work with just that one mm-hmm. and start to develop your, and, and there's exercises you can do and, yeah, okay. um, yeah, just to hone your, hone your own intuition. Like even when someone calls, I'm always like, I think of who it is first and then I look and it's usually, right. So it's like, those mm-hmm. are things, things you'll to start practice. to do. Oh, yeah. yeah, now I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when the phone's ringing, just start to really take a moment before you just go to the automatic response, yeah. like tune in, like, what is my intuition saying who is that yeah. and then just yeah you play with it so it it actually becomes really fun yeah, to develop I see that hmm. yeah your insight and and I would imagine that part of the practice as well is the the daily sacred practice of some sort of meditation of you know getting away from the noise and the distractions of the daily world to just feel be into your own body yeah, because if you are so uh, busy, yeah. yeah, that's when the messages a like they're they just have to get so loud and that's disruptive. Yeah. Um. And also, that's where there's more opportunity for you to fall out of integrity, right? Is when you're so busy and distracted, then that's not the time to receive information or to to. It, for me, it's always like such a constant check and balance of coming back into every single time something comes in, mm-hmm. making sure that it's so clear because it's a, a responsibility, you know, yeah. like this information can change people's lives yeah. and it's not a, a something you just kind of take lightly, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's always coming back into that center, into the integrity and making sure is this is this um, valuable? Is this necessary? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's coming up for me is this example from um, a book called The Presence Process. Okay. Uh, I was talking with Trevor Yellick about this. It's part of his, uh, for the facilitator training, it's one of the prereqs for the program. So I, I've been listening to it on Audible. Um, so it's by Michael Brown. And one of the analogies they use is that, 
you know, if, if our true authentic self is the clear, pure water in a, in a jar, a mason jar, you can see into it. And, and then the emotional charges or the stories, the trauma is like oil mm-hmm. on top of the water. And when we stay busy and distracted, it's like we're constantly shaking the jar. Mm. And so we can tell there's oil in there, but there's no way to separate it. Mm. It's just so, it's just a, a mix and it's all messy. And so the only way to actually get more connected to the clear, pure water that we are is to, first of all, put the jar down. Mm-hmm. Like, like let, let it, it sit. Let it sit. Let it come to stillness. Yeah. So again, these sacred practices of coming back into our body, limiting distraction, that's where the oil starts to separate and come to the surface. And then the work becomes scooping the oil off the surface but doing it honorably. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, ew, gross, get this. Like, this oil is there for a reason. It's It was there to protect us. It We're all doing the best that we can. And yeah. the more we can be gentle with this work and, and honor every part of it and every habitual response or reaction we have, even when it's something we don't like, when we can actually shift to see this actually is trying to save me. And maybe at one point at, in my life, it actually did save me. Mm-hmm. And then it just became routine. Yeah, and but, now it's just not necessary. And now it's not serving me. And yeah. it, so thank you as I scoop, scoop this you. oil and, <laughs> and get rid of it. And, and mm-hmm. slowly, through the practice, the water becomes more clear. Yeah, and, and I'm, that's I'm, huge. Right? Yeah. And so that's what I'm thinking now is the more of do, whatever work we can do to find the ability to put the jar down and, and start seeing ourselves more clearly, we're yeah. going to start tuning in to these innate abilities that we all have. Yeah, it's, it's very much... Um, work, uh, inner work, the more inner work you do for yourself, um, the more access you're going to have to higher intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Because if you're doing work to clear yourself and you're in the inner work of clearing patterns and belief systems and all that um, is clouding your perception, your reality, it's keeping you in dissolution and illusion, that's what's separating you from information coming through, right? And getting that clear perspective. Yeah. I'm so fascinated by this. So I want to, I'll share vulnerably what I'm, what I'm noticing in myself right now Mm -hmm. is I'm, so in the morning I'm, I'm so good. I'm waking up early. I'm, I'm doing breath work, meditation, moving my body. Mm -hmm. I'm creating lots of cool stuff throughout the day. Most days I'm really consistent throughout the day. There's sometimes moments where I'm like, okay, I have to check in and pause, reconnect with my breath. Mm-hmm. But what I'm finding consistently is near the end of the day, I'm, I go into major shutdown. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm trying to really get clear on, is this actually just like I'm exhausted and I need to be going to bed early? Very possible. That's probably part of the truth. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something else going on that I'm not willing to feel. And so I'm, my body is just shutting down. And so what do you do in those, like, if you want to yeah, share yeah. vulnerably, what, mm-hmm. when you are in shutdown, yeah. what do you, what are your habit yeah. patterns? So, um, smoke weed. Mm-hmm. So numbing. Numbing. Yeah. Lay on the couch. Yeah. Avoidance. Um, avoidance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, sometimes even like mimic sleep without actually sleeping. Yeah. And and then either just end up falling asleep on the couch or, or going, reaching for food. Yeah. Treats. Yeah. 
So that I had an eating disorder growing up, and so I, I recognize some of these patterns as well. But I'm so much more aware of them now, and I and I don't hate them. Like mm-hmm. I'm so fascinated by this pattern. You're like, hi, I'm meeting my emotions right yeah, now. This I'm is like, what I'm doing. I'm so this is in the it. phase I'm in. And even when it's even when I <laughs> feel it being truthful. tapping in mm-hmm. of like I start feeling the shutdown happen. Yeah. I also have <clears throat> this awareness throughout it where I'm like, all right, here I am shutting down. Yeah. And like, what am I noticing? Okay, I'm like, I feel so lethargic. I just want to curl up. And, yeah. you know, often I'll be able to move myself to the ground and just do some really rhythmic movements and just meet it really lovingly. And, and it definitely has gotten better in the sense that it's it's this is not every night and mm-hmm. I don't feel like something's wrong. I'm yeah. so curious about it, but it's still several nights a week where this just takes over and I just become this zombie. Mm-hmm. And then I and then I feed it right in the ways that I shared or watching entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, that yeah, just, just another me. way to check out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so there's something there's something in there, mm-hmm. and I'm I don't really know what it is yet. But yeah, when you pause and um and you interrupt the cycle, and if you choose not to feed it. And instead you remove yourself right. and you sit with it. And actually really be with and it. And not be in and and how you described it, like a loving you hold it. No, like if you, that's necessary for, for sometimes, but sometimes it's necessary just to let it rage. Mm-hmm. Let it be. Let it come out in full um authentic raw and realness and then you see it tingling right now (laughs) that's truth those tingles are like oh okay Mm. but that but then comes the gentleness yeah right is you let it come up and you let it be real and then you still you don't shame yourself for it after and you don't stay in it um making it wrong yeah You know, it's the making it wrong and what we do to ourselves afterwards like that is coming up and out because it needs to, right? And then if we can just soften and be so gentle with ourselves in those moments afterwards Mm -hmm. and we're like, yeah, okay, what was that? What is, what, what happened in my day? You know, and start like self-contemplation is, yeah, one of the meditation, self-contemplation and prayer are my practices right now is like, okay, what happened today that was different than yesterday where I didn't feel like I needed to numb. Mm. And then when you go through an inventory of your day, you start to notice, oh, yeah, that person said something and then I actually I brushed it off as a joke and it really yeah. is sticky it, mm-hmm. or what that person or what happened that experience um is really what I'm numbing right you know yeah. you get you dissect it and you pull the layers back and then yeah. you start to also notice themes yeah you know you start to notice okay on these days that I'm doing this activity mm. or on the days that I see this person or the yeah you know, but if you don't spend the time to take yourself out of it yeah. and reflect, you won't get the insight yeah. into what the pattern is. Yeah. And you'll just continue to perpetuate the cycle and yeah. stay in the numbness of yeah. it. But it's not wrong either because sometimes that's what we, we're not ready. Yeah. Sometimes they're just such deep-rooted 
um, things that, or sometimes we just have life happening and we have kids and we have, you know, families that need us and jobs that are demanding and we don't have the time to really go right in there. But again, it's always just coming back and being so honest with yourself, Mm -hmm. like not lying to yourself that you're fine, but recognizing like, okay, this is what I'm doing. I'm not okay. Um, and that's okay. And that's okay. okay. Yeah. And I'm, I'm willing to look at this just when the time, when I, when I feel more confident or strength, when I feel more support in my life or whatever the resistance might be, like some people might not have the support system to really fall apart. And so they're just trying to hold it all together and. Yeah, and that's okay. And And that's where the, okay, yeah, you hold that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly like you were saying, right? But then when you really want change and you want to to look at it, you got to be so honest, Mm -hmm. so truthful, and admit, you claim it. It's like you own those parts of yourself that are jealous or those parts of yourself that are angry or, oh, my gosh, in that moment, I hate that that person got this and they always get the, you know, and it's those, you don't want to say it out loud Mm -hmm. because you want to be more mature or you want to be more, you know, high, whatever people. Yeah. Like I'm better than that thought. Yeah. Yeah. Or that's not me, but really it is. It's a natural (laughs) human instinct to be jealous sometimes and it's okay. Mm -hmm. And just admit it and own it. And that, holy, I was so jealous there. And then you watch it, like, what is that? Why am I so jealous of this person? Or why am I so triggered by this event or this, you know, situation or person? And you just aim, and and then that's where it becomes, like, you take it completely back on, where it's not that that person person. or that experience, but that person and experience is giving you the opportunity to turn the lens, Mm -hmm. right? Like we were just saying, you turn the lens or the mirror back at yourself and then you look and you own it. Okay, I'm triggered. I'm projecting. Mm-hmm. And it's not that person. And what is it mm-hmm. in me? And do I want to go there? Yeah, yeah. Am I ready to go in there? Yeah. And then, yeah, and then and then you'll start to notice it because as soon as you see the pattern, you'll see it in if it's in one place it's most likely you know trickled in other places as well so then you start to notice like oh my god I'm projecting in all of these different yeah projecting envy in all these different areas Mm. or projecting my anger in in so many different ways and the whole day just becomes an opportunity to see yourself a little more clearly Yeah, yeah every yeah, so it's like those more triggering moments are actually like such rich information. Totally. It's just yeah. okay, because when it, when we're fine, we're not looking for places of right. growth. We're yeah. like, I got this. Totally. I'm in the yeah. flow, and yeah. I'm in the, right? Figured it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. There's nothing for me to learn here. <laughs> yeah, we can enjoy those moments when they're yeah when they're happening. Mm. Yeah, but one thing I did learn um, that was so interesting in the vipassana. Meditation is um, was more on the craving side. So um, he talks about you. Ha- so everybody is always registering consciousness, right? So we perceive consciousness, 
something happens, we're in contact with someone, something just happens in our day, and then we develop preference um, or an evaluation of it. We like it or dislike it or it's good or it's bad. And then we get a sensation. And then the sensation starts to dictate whether we become adversive to it or we crave it. Mm -hmm. And I can go so quickly into admitting all of the places that I'm avoiding and the the darker and more shadow qualities of myself that I'm not claiming. Like I all I, I'm comfortable in those spaces. Yeah. But what I was like really blown away by was the craving piece of it is like the good um more subtle sensations and when things are um are going, you know, well that I'm grasping or holding and clinging to that mm-hmm. is equally keeping me and perpetuating in my cycle of suffering or my cycle of misery because it's all impermanent. Right. And so that, and then is, does that mean that I'm only ever going to be okay if things are always perfect? Right. Yeah. But so it's like, yeah, it was just so interesting to see how it's easy to hold, like, how am I going to be okay despite all these negative or things happening, how can I find my center there feels um, easier or more accessible for me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, that's a quality I can learn. But then to find your center in what you are seeking and what you're desiring for yourself and the goal, everything that you're tracking that's good, that you're craving, mm-hmm. um, is actually also keeping you in a cycle of your own suffering because when those happen and it's taken, because then we start to get attached, right? And then right. we're like, oh my God, what if it leaves me? Yeah, yeah. Or what if this isn't, what if I don't feel that way? And then you start grieving something that's not even happening and the mind goes yeah. and does all those long, it's crazy just things. just being with it as it is. Yeah, so it was just interesting to see <laughs> both sides yeah. and then to practice being equanimous or equal like neutral with yeah. both ways yeah no matter what experience yeah. you're in to mm-hmm. just keep finding your center in it yeah and just yeah. and and take you back to and that again back to like just clearing your field and clearing your so it was just interesting to notice that I hadn't placed as much emphasis yeah on that part it's really interesting yeah why don't you can you walk us through a little bit of what like these 10 days were like for you? Sure, yeah. And it's like the highlights or like key moments or or even just each day, what stood out? Yeah. Any any way that you want to unpack this? I'm, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll give you the overview of like that. So it's a really systematic and progressive technique. Okay. And so in the 10 days, it's really intentional and they give you a piece each day so that by the end of the 10 days, you know the full technique. Okay. And so you spend the first three days um, sharpening your awareness, so coming into focus and concentration um, so that you can receive the Vipassana technique. And so you're not even into the technique by day three, right? Mm -hmm. And you can imagine like how long those days are when you are just watching every breath. So inhale and exhale. So day one is just observe your breath in your nostrils. From 4.30 a.m. until 9.30 p.m. <laughs> seated in group? And seated, yeah. So then, so you've got the physical yeah. stuff happening, right? Your yeah. body's not used to sitting, so your pain body's coming up. Yeah. But then it's also just, um, yeah, pretty 
um, intense just to spend the whole day um, watching breath. And then you start to hone in and you notice sensation at the tip of your nose. And then you start to, um, yeah, hone and sharpen awareness. And then the rest of the days is the Vipassana technique. And it starts from the crown of the head. You scan through your body in a systematic way. Mm -hmm. And you just observe. So you develop your ability to witness uh, what is, what sensations arise, mm-hmm. you notice thought, um, and you just uh, stay with what sensation is happening and build your, or build your muscle to hold that neutrality, that equanimity. Mm-hmm. And so whether you're feeling pain or whether you're feeling more subtle, more pleasant sensation, you hold it mm-hmm. um, as it is. neutral so you don't have a preference Mm -hmm. and so as you start to develop the technique they he says like he calls it the eight noble path to dhamma which means truth Mm. or enlightenment um or liberation but it's basically like how you eradicate your suffering how you come out of your own misery is by witnessing the law of nature of change that nothing is permanent this body is not permanent and the sensations that i feel will pass Mm -hmm. so you practice it within yourself and then eventually hopefully see it differently in your so when things change in your outer world you know you're you've built the tool internally to meet it differently yeah yeah so it's so as you kind of get more into the technique um he talks about it um, getting to the, like the deep root of your um, call some sankara, sankaras, and they're like your uh, your painful experiences, the the stored anger mm-hmm. in the body so manifests like the sankara, as pain. Yeah, he calls it sankara. Yeah, okay. yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like your yeah like pain, anger, all of those negative emotions store in the body as pain. So then when you're cycling through, you start to notice pain in different parts of the body and it's where there's stored pain, stored anger, stored resentment, um, jealousy, rage, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so often I was noticing um, it would come with a, a memory. And so it was two opportunities, almost felt like there's an opportunity to be equanimous with the sensation and not feed it Mm -hmm. um but then there's also you're reliving an experience that happened to you and at the time you took it on and you were quite charged but now it's coming up and out of the body to be seen and acknowledged and and if you hold it without reacting you're not feeding it again you're not falling into the same trap then you can let it go So you start to see it. So he talks about how regular meditation or whether you repeat mantra or you use your mala beads and you do the 108 or even just visual like guided visualizations that make us feel nice. Mm -hmm. Isn't it's like um, you're uh, you're mowing the lawn and you're just getting the weed at the grass, like ground level. Um, And so, yeah, probably to your husband's point. Right. You're getting to the point of like, yeah, you feel better in the moment, but it's not getting to the root and removing 
what's actually, so he calls it the path of like purifying your mind. It's a purification. You're getting everything deep rooted, all the impurities well, and extracting the weeds. Yeah. The weeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that it's a life long journey, right? We've carried, we have so many, but that he described enlightenment, like true enlightenment as being you're equanimous or you're no longer creating more samsaras in your um in your life so you're awake Mm -hmm. to realizing that you're not adding or contributing to that and then you're with um the sensation and you're allowing everything stored to come up and through and then you're meeting those with equanimity and that when all of the stored sensation comes out of the body um that that's when you're fully liberated and enlightened so and can you can you make sounds during this process you know just no everything's in silence yeah and like movement yeah you you can move um and and it's interesting because he had three days uh three parts of the day the group seated meditations where he called them sittings of discipline Mm -hmm. and so he uh suggested you don't move Mm -hmm. because that's our natural reaction is to avoid and that's just another way so it's you're actually not being equal with it if you feel like you need to move but that being said if it's like just completely taking you out of any opportunity to be with sensation and your meditation yeah it's not a service either just to sit so if it if you can slightly move your leg and then sink back in, then he, yeah, do that. But, but yeah, it was so interesting to, to witness what was coming forward, like Mm -hmm. memories from like high school or like junior high and elementary school, like it and then in different parts of the body, it seemed like there was a theme, Mm. um, like on my left shoulder, there was a lot of pain, um, from friends like women that I had been so close to um, or girls when I was little that had um, or that I had thought betrayed me or just hadn't been like the friend or the sister I yeah once thought and so there was real tangible examples coming up Mm -hmm. and so the part that I loved was that it's not a talk therapy so I don't have to go back into explaining you know sitting across from someone and um and and go into the story of it mm-hmm. but that it's actually the opposite if a memory comes up you leave the memory because you're equal to it like it's not you're not giving it the time anymore yeah but that you're actually like going back to just the raw sensation yeah. and then staying there staying bringing your awareness back to being equal there yeah so yeah, so it was just... Uh, so many parallels to the yoga nidra practice. It, it really was, actually. There yeah. was a lot, like, rotation of consciousness, yeah. neutrality, yeah. finding that, the sensation. Um, yeah, and then just uh, the pranic, like, just watching the natural flow of yeah. the body. You're not yeah. forcing the breath. Yeah. But I mm. think that it was... Um, Definitely a service to myself that I was practiced in the Nidra yeah, uh, yeah. world, then just de- jumping in yeah. cold to, you know, I'm, I know everyone's experience is perfect for them, but for, I was really grateful that I was like, okay. You're primed. Yeah, yeah. primed, and um, I could understand it, and then I could start to notice themes in my body, and yeah. I could be like a little bit more 
present. It wasn't the theory I could resonate. I just agreed with it. Just it felt like it was truthful, and then mm-hmm. I, I could move on. You know, it wasn't yeah. something I had to um, work out, and right. then I could just get right into the work. So you could go potentially much deeper just yeah. because of that. You already yeah. had the the basic understanding and philosophy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and so it was like. Yeah, the two things I would say I really got out of this was um, that, yeah, watching the, um, he also said, you know, and it really resonated with me, like when someone hurts you or an experience happens that is really painful or traumatic and whether it was malicious or whether it was intentional or not, we let that person or that experience hurt us at the time, but then we continue to hurt ourselves by holding on to it and reliving it. As, like those, you know, we all have those things that we just stew over. Stew it. over, yeah. and it's year. And then he's like, so not only did that one person hurt you, you know, then it becomes like one year, three years, five years, and so for some, it's like ten years later, and you're still mm-hmm. punishing yourself. That person is long gone in your life totally. i'm sure yeah i've but heard you, that before of people saying like i'm not ready to let it go yeah but the only <laughs> but then it's like sometimes you just don't know how to let it go yeah. right yeah. so so yeah that was a really i uh, felt like a tangible way um to become really embodied like it was a lot of the meditation especially with the intuitive work that i do i spend so much time outside i, I feel like my body and sometimes I can be quite ungrounded mm. because of that, because it's so it's a higher vibration. Yeah. And then what this practice reminded me of is that embodied, like really rooted, present. You are in the densest layer of yourself mm-hmm. at the very physical level, right? The pain and the the sensation that's there. Mm-hmm. And so it was a, a tangible, really grounding tool um, and to use to, to start to shift some of the, those mental programs. It was a very um, psychosomatic experience. You really see how the mind and the body are linked. And um, before, I didn't necessarily think that there was a, I didn't have like a really tangible tool to eradicate that Mm. and so we'll see (laughs) I like I feel um a lot shifted um just in my mental clarity and in my mind space but it's yeah it's it's a to yeah to practice Mm -hmm. and to see how it evolves and how you navigate it now that it's yeah you don't have the uh the sensory deprivation and the the quiet time and the the time itself, like a lot of dedicated time to really go in there. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll see how that unfolds. But yeah. but the other important thing I I think too, just for this work with the intuition, um, is and this is funny because you were chatting with uh, Trevor, um, so I'll share personal experience of working with Trevor. Yeah. Um, I had such powerful experiences working one-on-one and I could really get into like my deep, uh, trauma and work. And I, I could feel, I felt so much release. And then I went and did one in a group 
And I noticed right away I couldn't actually get into my own experience. Mm. I was so pulled. Like every part of me, and I think um, lots. this will be for a lot of empaths, right? Yeah. We feel um, and sense what's happening for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And so I could never, I, the whole weekend I was struggling to just have my own experience. Mm. And so, yeah, the Vipassana um, really gave me that as a tool. It was a constant practice of, you know, there's 30 women and 40 men. So a lot of people in one room yeah. and a lot of people purging, um, purifying everything that's coming up, right? Yeah. And and so it was a very, um, yeah, important practice of coming and and really honing that skill of coming back mm. and that whatever is happening for you know everybody else in the room that it's mm-hmm. so important to have the tool and the access to come back because it that takes practice totally. it, yeah. well, it did for me yeah no I can definitely relate to that when I've done work with Trevor and group as well um at times I've even felt like this toggling that happens of mm-hmm. my own experience and then and then the mm-hmm. collective wave yeah. of everyone and feeling like sadness, joy, yeah. pleasure, fear all at once because mm-hmm. it's like what what everyone is feeling at the same time. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and you want to be... just be so compassionate and hold that person, yeah. you know, you're like, yeah. oh, they, yeah. yeah, if they're releasing, it's just you want it's yeah to celebrate yeah. that and yeah. or if they're struggling it's like I just want to you know send, send my yeah and, and yeah. be there support them but then it was also just really interesting to watch myself that that's always my tendency mm. and so it's um yeah that was interesting to watch my yeah. practice evolve there you know what I just remembered actually when speaking of empathy um this is something I'm definitely an empath um but that might be, I think that's part of what I'm actually not willing to feel is I've blocked mm-hmm. a lot of my empathy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my parents split up, um, I can't remember now, 10 years ago. So when I was about 23-ish and it was really hard on my mom. Mm-hmm. Like she, you know, I don't need to share too much of her story. I'll, I'll get her on. I, yeah, I'm going to get her on yeah, this I, She needs to tell her story. <laughs> um, but I remember at one point, just like sitting in this immense sadness and despair mm-hmm. and it was getting overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like, I was starting to touch and feel what she was feeling mm-hmm. and it was unbearable. Yeah. And I couldn't, Yeah, like I couldn't let myself feel it anymore. And I actually remember Googling, is there such thing as too much empathy? Mm-hmm. Because I knew it was empathy, but it, I could feel like it was taking me in a really, really, at, at least at that point, in a direction that I, I didn't have the tools to understand. Mm-hmm. And it felt really scary. Yeah. And I, I remember like blocking it. Yeah. And just like, I can't, I can't function if I let myself feel what my yeah. mom's going through. Mm-hmm. And then I went through these waves of um, like anger towards her. Mm-hmm. And this is something I've been unpacking the last couple of years of recognizing this, this anger I had towards her. It was actually because anger was way easier to feel than mm-hmm. sadness. Yeah, and guilt of yeah. not being there or being yeah. able to 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 fit, help. Yeah. But but even that is like such a rich teaching of um it doesn't help to have like especially if you're going to be doing the work um with others and healing 
is it doesn't serve to have two pe- if you let yourself feel everything that they're feeling because you want to help them so deeply yeah. it doesn't help to have two people in that state right, right? now yeah. you both have to pull yourself <laughs> yeah right yeah and so it's uh yeah that's a important distinction that you yeah. did also for yourself to survive yeah in and that moment i had to yeah, yeah because it was unbearable yeah right and so i'm sure that your mom would have yeah it's yeah it's all um that awareness and recognizing, okay, I can't, I, it's not a service to me to be there, to go in there with them. Mm -hmm. But then how can I navigate and, um, and shift to, to support them in that so that they can freely express whatever is happening for them, but that I'm just a witness because that's powerful to witness someone in their pain in their suffering and and without judgment and without needing to change anything and just let them be in their process is a tool totally and a practice as well yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and I do I feel for myself that the more I like with relative strangers Mm -hmm. clients it's so much easier for me to do that Mm -hmm. and I've said for years that my real work is in my relationships with my family yeah. And I know there's, for me, that inner knowing, that claircognizance. Yeah. Um, when I can get to that space of navigating my relationships with my family in the way that you just described, mm-hmm. I know that's going to that's gonna open up everything for me. Yeah. It's like there's so much depth and richness in those relationships. And I've, I've inflicted a lot of pain on, on some of my siblings. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, I'm just, I know that when I heal those relationships and and fully forgive myself and and get better at holding space for them and letting them be who they are and let them be in their suffering without going into exactly that i'm gonna uh, let me heal you Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) let me show you the way yeah (laughs) just sending them my yoga nidras and um yeah that's i know that that's really where my work is and and it's Mm -hmm. interesting this this memory of the empathy coming up and how i blocked that like i think that's that's for sure related to the end of the day, my, my shutdown. Mm-hmm. I'm a feeler. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I'm, I'm empathizing all day long. And, and I think part of that for me is the, the boundaries to ensure that I, I am navigating throughout my day of holding space for people. And, and clearing your energy and, clearing and not it. taking on. Yeah, because yeah. I think that piece on exhaustion is, is really true. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there's other aspects to it. But I, yeah, I think that's... Yeah. yeah. And um, and I feel like that's so normal um, yeah. with our families. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's all of our work is always with those unchosen to us <laughs> that we are. We came in this world in the way that we did in the family yeah. we did to heal past karmas, to deepen the lessons that we're here to learn. And the ones that were blood tied to are often the hardest um, to look at, yeah. but that is where, yeah. And I'm, I am right there <laughs> with, with yeah. you right now. Yeah. Is how do you heal? Yeah. It's so, yeah. Interesting how life reveals itself and deepens itself with your family and, uh, the lessons. Yeah. Yeah. I'll share, um, I'll share a personal, one as well um 
yeah, I, my family's, there's a member in my family really struggling with alcohol and, um, and, and someone also in my husband's family that struggles. And I hadn't, uh, because, um, Dan's family is in my family, like my blood family. I had judgment. Um, I was holding um, anger uh, towards her for the way that she was treating members of the family and how things were um, manifesting this illness. And I couldn't understand it because I didn't struggle with it myself and I hadn't seen it in my family and, and all of that, right? And so I just, I didn't understand it and I couldn't find um, compassion because my love, my beloved was hurting and, and had been hurting from so much from his life, right? So my heart mm-hmm. naturally was holding him. And, and then I was recognizing all this anger, this resentment, um, and just this uh, dismissal of the, the person, and the problem yeah. and the, the, the compassion, just I couldn't access it. And then um, the way the world <laughs> works and the way consciousness and our lives just are so perfectly timed and aligned, like this divine orchestration, my, my family, someone in my family, dear to my heart, develops the same or comes forward mm-hmm. with the same issue and because I had the love there to begin with I started sitting in a totally different place and I was really trying to understand this illness and how did this happen and how and then once I started unpacking like what alcoholism is and does to someone and how it's so rooted in so much trauma and I started seeing so many parallels between my family member and Dan's from like early childhood things that had happened. And then I started seeing how like my family member didn't have the access to the tools that I have to have not, you know, to have moved through some of the things that have happened to me, but that she's not willing to seek or ask um, or admit that she needs help. Right. And so as I started to like, go right in there with her, mm-hmm. I really had a different, deeper understanding of this disease and this lack of control and that it's actually you hurt the ones you love the most when you are suffering in such isolation like that and that you are really not, you know, you're hiding and hurting yeah. You know, and then so then from that experience, I was able to completely shift that space and see a completely different um, compassion that access was there. Mm. But it's like interesting how it all has to unfold and sometimes get so loud yeah. for us that, um, yeah, that it just shatters what we think our belief system right all that judgment that i was holding because i i i believed it was a certain way with um ignorance and i had no uh other experience to compare it to and Mm. it wasn't like a malicious um i just couldn't understand and so it's just so interesting like when we start to 
again, it's not the person and the experience, but when you switch it and you start to look at where is that incongruence within yourself Mm -hmm. and where is that actually triggering you, um, and then you're willing to own it and take responsibility and then see it shift that it's, you know, nothing's changed from either of them, but the way I relate now and the way that I I'm not holding that judgment or that anger and um, yeah, so interesting. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Wow, yeah, family stuff. Family stuff. (laughs) Yeah, we could go on and on for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, I want to be mindful of time and honor your time and and we're at about 90 minutes, so look Perfect. at that. Yeah, so I, I have just a couple more questions before we yeah. sign off. So one is, um, you know, back into this conversation, if it on cannabis um, or psychedelics in general, um, one of the things that I'm really curious about is cultivating uh, another conversation where we ingest a little bit of cannabis and then record another Interesting. And part of the reason um, is that, yes, I I do sometimes use cannabis as to make me feel better in my numbing, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's also an amazing plant medicine that I've I've been privileged to be able to experience in many profound ways as well. Mm-hmm. And and so I want to be a part of the the reeducation on on how to actually use this plant in a way that is nourishing. And mm-hmm. you can overdo or underdo anything. So it's yeah. so it's an opportunity to ingest a little bit, and there's various ways we can ingest, mm-hmm. and then have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm I'm not like like I've been getting I've brought it up in every conversation so far, um, and I'm just curious to hear how that lands for you. Interesting. I've never. Um... I've never really thought of doing that. I've never even heard of someone doing that. That's so um, different. Yeah, it's so different. Um, initially, when I feel it, um, yeah, it's not part of my practice. It's not something that I, um, I don't even know really how I would react mm. um have you ever had a lot like in high school I grew up okay. in Canmore so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little mountain town yeah. um but yeah it's um I think I would have to really tune into what is a service for my energy and where I'm at mm-hmm. um it's not a I'm not a a no or a uh you know it's uh that I don't agree I think that there's so much value in uh in in plant medicine um so much healing happens even with um yeah more strong like um more chemical drugs like there's so so many so much research so it's a it's I think it would have to be a really I would have to sit with that and contemplate for myself where my energy is at and what Mm -hmm. if that's actually a service to myself Mm -hmm. you know because I would love to offer it as an experience for others but I'm really um honoring my own vessel (laughs) my own self so Mm. I guess we'll see yes (laughs) yeah so we'll just stay well of course we'll just stay in communication and and we'll yeah yeah and that's part again of my my word of the year gentle is 
Yeah. You know, I'm not I'm not committed to this either. It's just it's an idea that I think is really fun. Yeah. And, and see how it goes. And and see, see how it goes. evolves. Yeah. Exactly. I think it's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. All right. <laughs> so, um, where can people find you? Or if you have any kind of offering that you want to yeah. put out there so people can understand how they might be able to work with you, where they can find you. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, so I um, am a part of the School of Sankalpa. So you can find me on the website yeah. there. Um, there's a bio and and that um, on there. And then my email is just Megan at schoolofsankalpa.com. Um, but yeah, I also offer outside of our trainings and outside of um, the practice of Nidra and all that we do there. Um, I do intuitive healing sessions out of my home. And so I do private, uh, just one-on-one where, you know, a lot of the intuitive messages that come up um, in our group space, um, lots of those participants will come to deepen and look at what uh, is the deeper layer of that, mm-hmm. if they're willing to to go there. Yeah. And then we work with just different healing modalities like theta healing, um, opening the Akashic records to find information um, that is applicable uh, to whatever circumstance you're in. Mm -hmm. And then it's also working with the body consciousness. So um, like if you think of like uh, your jar, right? And when we're sifting, like we start to sift intentionally into the body for all of the unconscious, subconscious um, patterns that reveal themselves. So if I get a really um, intuitive message, we start to awaken that consciousness inside of the body so that it comes up um, to be seen and that it'll start to shift. Mm. And so we do, yeah, lots of... um, that and then also just um intuitive in intuitive guidance comes through um when I'm in person with someone it's mm-hmm. like a totally different experience like I can too before you guys would come to the trainings I could feel into your energy and then write your um love bomb yeah. <laughs> um but yeah then there's a totally different feel when you're in person and I can we can go you know touch to touch and then I can get more information and then yeah. I just write it exactly as it comes yeah. so that uh, again my mind isn't distorting the mm. the message or I'm not trying to understand it myself but yeah. that it's just direct from source um so yeah so they yeah it. If you're interested in that. Great. And I'll add all that information of how people can find you yeah. in the show notes. Um, Perfect. I'm just really curious if, is anything coming up for you about me? <laughs> <laughs> right. You're like, how do I get out of session into these last few minutes? And it's okay if nothing comes up. I'm just curious of, you, you know, of us spending this time together. I want it. I really want to, if you're open to it, um... Yeah, I want to dig into the numbness and yeah. what you're doing there. Um, but I feel like that's a, a a private, like a one-on-one or something. Yeah. And then you can share your experience. But yeah. I would never want to put that out before, like the first time you're hearing yeah. the yeah. information yeah. before, you know, along with all of your... Yeah. Yeah. I so I want that. to honor you and yeah. your... Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I definitely... Um, 
Yeah, I feel like there's something rich there for you. Yeah. Okay. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, I will follow up, and, <laughs> and then I'll share. Yeah. <laughs> As I do. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 I love talking to you, Marion. It's like mm. been such a nice, yeah, way to spend the afternoon. Yes, likewise. <laughs> Yeah. Well, before we sign off officially, is there anything left unsaid? Anything else coming up for you? No, I just feel, yeah, really grateful that you asked me to be here. So, yeah, thank you. Great. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, signing off. Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on social media at Dopamine, that's D-O-P-E-A-M-E, or on my website under that same title, Dopamine.com. Please subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed it and do not hesitate to reach out if you have questions or comments. I would love to hear what you want to learn more about. So until next time, love big and play big. Peace.